0: Today is Wednesday, February the 14th, 2024. Welcome to the award-winning Personal Computer Show. I'm Hank Key, and Big Tech has been collecting and aggregating your personal data. Do you know how Big Tech companies are using your personal data? And meanwhile, the National Security Agency, that's the NSA, has been purchasing Americans' internet browsing records from data brokers without first obtaining a search warrant. We have been bringing computer news, hardware and software reviews, guest interviews, and news of user group meetings for over 40 years. The Personal Computer Show is a three-time winner of the prestigious National Computer Press Awards. Our only advocacies are consumerism and of course the First Amendment. I welcome you, the listeners, to provide feedback as to what you want to hear. Address your suggestions to Hank at pcradioshow.org Our website is pcradioshow.org We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network prn.live S-L-I-V-E, streaming on the internet. Podcasts of the program is also available on prn.live on the internet. You can leave us a message with your question or comment at hank at In the news, WhatsApp Chats will soon work with other encrypted messaging apps. Apple licensing an operating system again for the first time in 30 years. Audacity gets free artificial intelligence plugins. Microsoft is killing off several legacy features in Windows 11 and Windows 10. A universal memory breakthrough in the next generation of computers. Windows 11 ARM PC with a new ARM Browser. Hidden number on Android phones to unlocking more battery life. WhatsApp chats will soon work with other encrypted messaging apps. New European Union rules means WhatsApp and Messenger must be interoperable with other chat apps. Here's how that will work. They all exist in their own silos of group chats and contacts. Soon, though, WhatsApp will do the previously unthinkable for its 2 billion users. Allow people to message you from another app. At least, that's the plan. For about the past two years, WhatsApp has been building a way for other messaging apps to plug themselves into its service and let people chat across apps, all without breaking the end-to-end encryption. It uses to protect the privacy and security of people's messages. The move is the first time the chat app has opened itself up this way, and it potentially offers greater competition. It isn't a shift entirely of WhatsApp's own making. In September of last year, European lawmakers designated WhatsApp parent Meta as one of the six influential gatekeeper companies under its sweeping digital markets act giving it six months to open its walled garden to others with just a few weeks to go before that time is up whatsapp is detailing how its interoperability with other apps may work the primary issue was to offer this interoperability to third parties while at the same time preserving the whatsapp privacy security and integrity bar interoperability in both whatsapp and messenger as dictated by Europe's rules, will initially focus on text messaging, sending images, voice messages, videos and files between two people. Calls and group chats will come years down the line. The Europe's rules apply only to messaging services, not traditional SMS messaging. One of the core requirements is really important and that is for users for this to be opt-in the user can choose whether or not one wants to participate in being open to exchanging messages with third parties. This is important because it could be a big source of spam and scams. WhatsApp users who opt-in will see messages from other apps in a separate section at the top of their box. Overall, the idea behind interoperability is simple. You shouldn't need to know what messaging app your friends or family use to get in touch with them and you should be able to communicate from one app to another without having to download both. Despite WhatsApp working on its interoperability plan for more than a year, it will still take some time for third-party chats to hit people's apps. Messaging companies that want to interoperate with WhatsApp or Messenger will need to sign an agreement with the company and follow its terms. The full details of the plan will be published in March. Under EU laws, the company will have several months to implement it. Meta would prefer if other apps use the Signal Encryption Protocol, which its systems are based upon. Other than its namesake app and the Meta-owned messengers, the Signal Protocol is publicly disclosed as being used in Google Messages and Skype. To send messages... Third-party apps will need to encrypt content using the signal protocol and then package it into message stanzas in the extensible markup language, that's the XML, when receiving messages. Apps will need to connect to WhatsApp's servers. There is some flexibility to WhatsApp's interoperability. Meta's app will also allow other apps to use different encryption protocols if they can demonstrate they reach the security standards that WhatsApp outlines in its guidance. There will also be the option for third-party developers to add a proxy between their apps and WhatsApp's server. This could give developers more flexibility and remove the need for them to use WhatsApp's client-server protocols, but it also increases the potential attack vectors. So far, it is unclear which companies, if any, are planning to connect their services to WhatsApp. The European Commission is investigating whether Apple's iMessage meets the thresholds to offer interoperability with other apps itself. While the interoperability of encrypted messaging apps may be possible, there are some fundamental challenges about how the systems will work in the real world. How much of a problem spam and scamming will be across apps is largely unknown until people start using interoperable setups. There are also questions about how people will find each other across different apps. For instance, WhatsApp uses your phone number to interact and message other people. Meta says the company is still working on the interoperability features and the level of support it will make available for companies wanting to integrate with it. The decision was made to use WhatsApp's existing architecture to run interoperability, as it means that it can more easily scale up the system for group chats in the future. It also reduces the potential for people's data to be exposed to multiple servers. Ultimately, interoperability will evolve over time, and from Meta's perspective, it will be more challenging to add new features to do it quickly. Apple is licensing an operating system again for the first time in 30 years. While it has been widely reported that Apple has developed what it is currently calling next-generation Apple CarPlay, it appears to have marked a rare return to software licensing for Apple. Apple had made a name out of itself by creating a harmonious synergy between its software and hardware. In licensing its next-generation CarPlay to car makers it is giving over the control of the hardware to car makers. This is a shift in how the company has operated for over the past two decades, which has been marked by a determination to keep the Apple experience firmly under its own control. The next generation CarPlay has been launched running on the systems of high-end makers Porch and Aston Martin. Unlike regular Apple CarPlay, which is widely available in cars across the full spectrum, Of automotive price points, it appears that Apple is giving a clear indication that we won't be likely to see next-generation car play on just any car, as is currently the case. We're talking about cars running an embedded version of Apple's own software, not simply being hosted via a car's entertainment head unit, but being run via the user's own iPhone. This looks as though it is clear play by Apple to manage any potential reputational damage through the potential use of substandard system hardware, as well as to keep a firm grip over Apple's image as a premium brand. It is in keeping with the Apple's approach to its Apple Watch, Hermes collaboration, and highlights Apple's ambitions to build on its reputation and continue its push into the luxury product market with, of course, the margins are considerably higher. While it might be handing over the keys to the car makers on the hardware front with next generation CarPlay, the upside for brand enhancement is also considerable. This is in stark contrast to the last time Apple licensed its Macintosh operating system. It was an attempt to counter declining sales and the rise of PC powered by Windows software licensed by Microsoft, and the company thought it could help drive revenue. The effect was the exact opposite, with the much cheaper Mac clones proving far more popular, while the $50 licensing fee Apple received for each clone sold came nowhere near to offsetting the further decline in Mac sales the failed strategy yielded. It also cheapened the overall Apple Mac brand image. Audacity gets free AI plugins. This is just the first step. Audacity gets free AI plugins for music separation, generation and remixing and automatic text transcription too. Intel powered OpenVINO processors are designed to offer capabilities that were previously unavailable or just really difficult to achieve. OpenVINO is an open source software toolkit for optimizing and deploying deep learning models. It enables programmers to develop scalable and efficient AI solutions with relatively few lines of code and to target a variety of hardware CPU, GPU, NPU, FPGA, and Intel GNA. The supported models come from several popular frameworks and fall into many different categories, including large language models, computer vision, and generative AI including text-to-image models. Actively developed by Intel, it prioritizes high-performance inference on Intel hardware, but also supports ARM and ARM64 processors and encourages contributors to add new devices to the portfolio. OpenVINO is cross-platform and free to use under Apache License 2.0. It might be free and open-source, but Audacity certainly isn't an audio editor that's failing to move with the times. It recently got itself a new suite of plugins that are powered by Intel's OpenVINO's AI toolkit, and it sounds like some of them could be pretty useful. First up, we have Music Generation and Music Style Remix, both of which the stable diffusion AI model, specifically in its refusion guise to create either new music from a prompt or existing music. Then there's music separation that does what it says, breaks the song up into either vocal or instrumental parts, or into vocal, drum, bass, and a combined anything else part. Separation. Stem separation is a feature that's becoming more and more commonplace. Not only does it form the basis of a number of desktop and browser-based applications, but it also being included in an increasing number of digital audio workstations. Audacity also gets noise suppression, which is designed to remove background noise from an audio file, and whisper transcription, a tool for transcribing spoken word audio or vocal recordings. We decided to add AI features to Audacity so that we may offer capabilities that were previously unavailable or just really difficult to achieve says Audacity Product Manager Martin Carey in a video posted by Intel Business. He also confirms that the plugins run locally on your PC rather than from a server, addressing privacy concerns. According to Carey, there could be more to come. This is just a first step, he says. We hope to continue partnering with Intel to develop all kinds of new AI tools in the future to help take Audacity to a level no one's ever seen before. The only downside here is that the AI plugins are currently only available to Windows users, but we're hoping that they'll be coming to Mac and Linux too. Find out more, including how to download and install them on the Audacity blog. Microsoft is killing off several legacy features in Windows 11 and Windows 10. Feature deprecation is a routine way to remove existing Windows components that have served their purpose and are no longer useful to maintain. Microsoft surprised users by announcing multiple features that will bite the dust and beyond. This includes WordPad, Microsoft Support Diagnostic Tool, Steps Recorder, and more. Microsoft announced the deprecation of 19 features in 2023 which is very high compared to the only two announcements in 2022. Some of these features are a surprise because even if they don't use them daily, they come in handy occasionally. We do stand by some decisions that are utterly baffled by others. You will notice that some of them still exist on your Windows PC, but display a warning about the deprecation. Future Windows updates will handle the removal of all these features. A list of everything that will soon vanish from Windows 11 and 10 are WordPad. This basic text editor, which supports rich text format, that's RTF, will no longer be a part of Windows. You might migrate to another text editor, and Microsoft suggests Word. No surprises there. But it would be nice to have a replacement for WordPad that doesn't force you to download a text editor when you install a fresh copy of Windows. Then there's Microsoft's Support Diagnostic tool. The legacy troubleshooting tools also get the axe. Most troubleshooting tools have been retired, and even if you launch them using the command prompt, you get a warning that they will soon be removed. The get help is useful sometimes, but it will also take a while to get accustomed to. And there's Cortana that they're deprecating. This one's a bit tricky because Microsoft only announced a deprecation of Cortana app from Windows 11 and 10. You won't be able to use Cortana if you updated the app from the Microsoft Store. It will still be available in Microsoft 365 as a productivity-boosting solution. Another deprecation that is going to take place is the Steps Recorder. It is also a troubleshooting focus app that lets you record images and text and combine them into a slideshow. You can share it with support technicians to help them understand your problem better. But soon you must rely on the updated snipping tool and other apps that support screen recording. Windows Mixed Reality is also to be deprecated. Microsoft's virtual reality dream didn't take off as expected. The result is the deprecation announcement of Windows Mixed Reality, Mixed Reality Portal app, and Windows Mixed Reality for Steam VR and Steam VR Beta. It will withdraw or support after November 1, 2026. And here are a few more tools going away. Tips app that explains new OS features and guides will be removed in the upcoming Windows releases. The new Voice Access app will replace Windows speech recognition. Microsoft Defender application guard for Edge and Office will no longer receive support. And... VB Script an old scripting language, also gets the boot. Most of these features do not blend in with the modern Windows design and look outdated or have better alternatives in Windows. We will surely miss WordPad and MSDT tools, but we can't say the same for others. In a study published January the 22nd in the journal Nature, there is the development of a new breakthrough in universal memory. Universal memory breakthrough brings us the next generation of computers one step closer to a major speed boost. Universal memory refers to a type of computer data storage device that combines the best characteristics of several memory technologies. The goal of universal memory is to have a single type of memory To have a single type of memory used in computers such as DRAM, SRAM, and flash memory. The development of universal memory has significant implications for the computer market. If a universal memory device can be successfully developed, it would have a far-reaching impact on the computer market by combining the cost-benefits of DRAM and the speed of SRAM, the non-volatility of flash memory, and the infinite durability and longevity of memory. A universal memory device would also reduce the need for different types of memory in computers, leading to cost reduction and increased performance. This could potentially revolutionize the architecture and path of computing itself. Universal memory is a type of computer data storage device that aims to combine the best characteristics of different memory technologies while various memory technologies have been developed and are in use None of them have yet achieved the goals of universal memory. The development of universal memory has the potential to significantly impact the computer market by reducing cost and improving performance. Universal memory promises to replace both RAM and flash storage in computers with a better, faster, and more energy-efficient alternative and researchers have just moved this one step closer to reality. Universal computer memory that's both super fast and energy efficient is one step closer to reality after scientists built an extremely stable prototype using a completely new material. The new material dubbed GS2467, which contains germanium, antimony, check check, antimony and terbium was used as one repeating layer in a stack layer structure known as a super lattice, and could pave the way for universal memory that can replace both short- and long-term storage. It can also be faster, cheaper, and less power-intensive, scientists said in a study published January 22nd in the journal Nature. Computers today use short-term memory like random access memory, that's RAM, and long-term flash memory, such as solid-state drives, SSDs, or hard drives, for different purposes. RAM is fast, but needs a significant amount of physical space and a constant power supply, meaning its data vanishes when the computer has been turned off. Flash memory, on the other hand, retains data without needing power and is much denser, but it's slower than RAM at transferring its stored data to the processor. Several technical hurdles remain before a universal memory that combines the speed of RAM, but this prototype is as close as anybody has come. Windows 11 ARM PC with a new ARM browser. Brave now has a native ARM version of its browser on Windows. Brave browser on Windows is now optimized for ARM64, promising better performance on Windows 11 on ARM PCs. 2024 looks to be a promising year for Windows 11 on ARM PCs, thanks in large part to Qualcomm's upcoming Snapdragon X Elite processor. Google released a native ARM 64 version of Chrome recently, though that version is only in canary testing for now. Brave Browser is now optimized for ARM 64, giving Windows 11 on ARM users another option for browsing. The news come amidst a surge of interest in ARM computing, thanks in large part to Qualcomm's upcoming Snapdragon X-Elite processor. ARM 64 Brave on Windows is now stable and offers native performance. You also get to enjoy the same features that is offered on X64 and X86, like Widevine, IPFS, and Tor. You can download Brave through GitHub, the Microsoft Store, or Brave's website. Google made headlines last month when it released a native ARM64 version of its Chrome browser. But Brave will beat Chrome to the punch since the ARM-optimized version of Chrome is in canary testing and Brave's native ARM64 version is available today. Is 2024 the year of Windows 11 on ARM? Qualcomm Snapdragon X-Elite should compete with the best chips from Apple, Intel, and AMD. Microsoft has worked on an ARM version of Windows for years. While the platform has steadily improved over time, it's largely held back by hardware. There are good Windows 11 on ARM PCs, such as the Lenovo ThinkPad X13S, but Apple has a sizable lead when it comes to ARM processors for computers. While Qualcomm's Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3 is a respectable flagship chip for productivity, the company's upcoming Snapdragon X-Elite could be a game-changer. Qualcomm claims the Snapdragon X-Elite can beat Apple's M2 Max and Intel's Core i9-13980HX. This giving hope to those who dream of a powerful Windows 11 laptop With the benefits of ARM computing. In addition to its respective specs and leak benchmarks, Qualcomm Snapdragon X-Elite features a neural processing unit, that's an NPU, that's optimized for local AI processing. We'll have to see all the moving parts come together in the form of an actual device showing real-world performance. But if everything develops as expected, we may finally have a Windows 11 on ARM PC that can compete with Apple's new MacBooks and powerful Windows 11 PCs with Intel or AMD processors. A hypothetical PC with a Snapdragon X Elite inside would deliver powerful computing, local AI processing, and have excellent battery life. It would also have seamless integration with cellular and be extremely light and thin. That PC could be the holy grail in Windows computing. Benchmarks shared by Qualcomm and leaked benchmarks show promising results for the Snapdragon X Elite. It isn't just a Snapdragon X Elite that can change Windows 11 on ARM in 2024. Big names are finally starting to support the platform. Google Chrome has a native ARM version in testing already, and we're still waiting on some apps that were promised years ago, such as the Adobe Creative Suite. But Chrome alone could turn the heads of other developers. A new flagship processor and support from companies like Google could help make Windows 11 on ARM mainstream. Microsoft needs chip makers and software developers to back ARM computing, and we may finally see that in a significant way this year. Qualcomm's Snapdragon X-Elite is set to launch in mid-2024, and that gives software makers some time to optimize software for 11 on ARM and the new hardware that will run the operating system. Hidden number on Android phone can be key to unlocking more battery life. Android owners have been urged to check a hidden number on their phones, and experts at Android-based phone company OnePlus revealed that the trick is best used in emergencies when you really want to save every last drop of juice. What if you're traveling and forget your charger, or you go out for a long trek and do not have a power supply? Most Android owners are familiar with the Efficient Battery Saver Mode, which is arguably the most straightforward method to save your juice. But few people know this hidden number trick. What hidden number? The so-called hidden number relates to the device's screen refresh rate. Your phone's screen refresh rate is the number of times per second the image on the screen refreshes. For example, a 60 Hz display will update the screen 60 times per second. Depending on what Android phone you have and how old it is, your screen refresh rate can land anywhere between 10Hz and 240Hz, but most devices sit around 60Hz to 90Hz. In situations when you really wish to save the battery of your device, switching the refresh rate from 90Hz, let's say, to 60Hz might be extremely beneficial. While some phones automatically switch to 60Hz in certain conditions, keeping it constantly on 60 can give you the extra bump in your battery life as it reduces the load on the hardware's screen refresh rate. The immediate benefit of this is, of course, battery, battery life. This is because the display can drop the refresh rate to as low as 10Hz to use less power while showing static content. A high refresh rate is useful while scrolling through lists, playing games optimized for such refresh rates, and watching high frame rate content like Netflix. But beyond those activities, it makes little sense to constantly refresh a display at 120 Hz since it causes battery drain. Presenting the IT Pro Series with Benjamin Rockwell.
1: This is Benjamin Rockwell and now it's time to get down to business. This is where we talk about computers, IT, and the workplace. One of the things that came at to me recently was somebody wanted me to talk about non-disclosure agreements. They do exist, especially in the IT field. There are uh, probably very few other areas that are in any company outside of the people who are hands-on. You know, the salespeople, the, the people who are setting up certain different things throughout a company where non-disclosure agreements get mixed in. Yes, we're doing programming. We're doing a lot of different things and a lot of different operations on computers, Some of the different non-disclosure agreements I've dealt with over the course of my past have involved, uh, don't tell anybody about our customer list. No, no, I'm not going to. But I'll sign a piece of paper that says I'm not going to share your customer list, your customer information, any of the background of your customers, blah, 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 blah. And then there are some non-disclosure agreements that go, okay, we're going to have you do a certain level of programming that is for a really exciting level of this, that, or the other thing. So you can't dive any of the information involved here. Okay. So when we talk about these non-disclosure agreements, they need to have a number of different things in them. They have to have a scope of restrictions. They have to set up really what is covered by the non-disclosure agreement. It can't be a blanket. You can't tell anybody anything about us ever, 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 ever. Look, I'm not working for the NSA, Oh, I'm not working for the CIA. So, you know, you have to have some scope here. Okay, so let's talk about it. Yes, I'm not going to talk about customers, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to talk about any proprietary programming that I've done. Can I speak about it in generalities? Oh, yes. We need to make sure that there's room for that. Yes, I developed a database for this customer. I'm very good at databases, and I can do a lot of stuff in regards to them. So you need to be able to uh, loosen up a little bit to let me tell people all about the different people I've worked with with databases. And they'll usually let you go from there. And then there is also something about a duration of confidentiality because they're going to set up for a certain period of time. They should have it set up so that after a certain number of years, three years, five years, after the release of a special software that you're developing or the database or whatever it is, when you're done with the work and you've moved on, you should be able to share information about anything that is public. Now, it may say, okay, you cannot reveal the secret sauce behind it. Okay, I won't reveal the secret sauce unless it becomes public by some other means. And those are different things that go along with this. This is something like, you know, the Google algorithms are constantly changing. I'm sure that the Google uh, programmers that are working there that are developing, yes, the secret sauce for Google cannot divulge any of those different things for a certain period of time. But the Google algorithms change so quickly, so often that, yes, that information three years out may become absolutely useless to anybody. Then, of course, you have to have the potential legal ramifications lined up. and Yes, there are going to be consequences of breaching any kind of non-disclosure agreement. What are they going to be? The legal actions and potential financial repercussions. Maybe somewhere along the way, somebody might mention a reputational repercussion, but I don't know how that would work out. I, I know, I've i heard of things that exist like that. All the way along, an IT professional has to balance all of these different things together. They have to think about where they've been, what they're doing, and where they're going to go next. An IT professional has a career that you know goes across many decades, hopefully. And I'll tell you some of the different things that I've worked with. Yes, I have shared portions of them as far as the generalities. Okay, yes, I worked in aerospace for a number of years. And I did work with something called ITAR, International Trafficking and Arms Regulations. And there's Export Administration Regulations and a few other things that all kind of line up in there. So I cannot go off to some foreign country. We'll we'll, we'll say North Korea. And I can't divulge any information to the North Koreans in regards to what we did as far as making airplanes And I can't divulge a whole lot in regards to where we, you know, who our customers were. But could I develop a database for them, utilizing some of the basic code that I used throughout my career? Yeah, probably. And most likely. And it has to be written in there. It has to be. It can't be a lockdown. You can't use any of this code ever again. Well, frankly, a lot of the code throughout IT is duplicated various other places, so if it's public code, but how do we know what is public code that's been modified or custom code that only one person knows that? Again, we go back to the Google algorithm and it all gets very tricky. So you do want to make sure that it's always written in. And that's something in that as an IT professional, sometimes I know or don't know. I will tell you that attorneys have been involved in reading some of the different uh, nondisclosure agreements that I've dealt with over the years. So, look, lastly, any kind of nondisclosure agreement should have some level of negotiability. We have to be able to discuss out those terms and and be free to, yes, protect our ability to work elsewhere. You've got a non-disclosure agreement. You can never work in IT ever again. Yeah, I don't think so. We're gonna strike this. We're gonna strike that. We're going to make this nice and balanced and yes, mutually beneficial for both sides. This is Benjamin Rockwell, back to you, Hank.
0: Thank you, Benjamin. Microsoft reveals the next evolution of Windows. It won't be Windows 12. With all major manufacturers of laptop and desktop manufacturers, there are no new systems available with Windows 10 pre-installed. According to all recent reliable and credible supports, Microsoft is planning on releasing Windows 12 in 2024. Bear in mind that Microsoft hasn't yet announced Windows 12 or a release date for it. The 2024 date reflects Microsoft's internal thinking. The engineering codename for the operating system that will likely be Windows 12 is Next Valley, which makes sense as Windows 11's codename is Sun Valley. It is also reported we might see some features, mostly AI-focused, be limited to more recent PCs with an NPU or GPU that can handle on-device AI processing. As the next version of Windows is said to heavily focus on AI capabilities, and not all PCs will be able to handle that functionality without the dedicated hardware. On the hardware front, when it announced a new co key for PC keyboards last month, Microsoft declared 2024 the year of the AI PC. On one level, this is just an aspirational, PR-friendly proclamation meant to show investors that Microsoft intends to keep pushing the AI hype cycle that has put it in competition with Apple for the title of most valuable publicly traded company. But on a technical level, it is true that PCs made and sold in 2024 and beyond will generally include AI and machine learning processing capabilities that older PCs don't have. The main thing is the Neural Processing Unit, that's the NPU, a specialized block on recent high-end Intel and AMD CPUs that can accelerate some kinds of generative AI and machine learning workloads more quickly or while using less power than the CPU or GPU could, unless You have an immediate need for a new PC, why would anyone be buying a system today with Windows 11 today? With most of the equipment today, the system unit lacks the neural processing unit relating to the generative AI and machine learning workloads more quickly. Now we're told there are no more updates for Windows 10. Microsoft now has done some rethinking. There now will be updates for Windows 10. Delivery for Windows 12 or Windows AI is now pushed to a later date. No Windows 12 yet, as Windows 11 24H2 is coming. Microsoft has confirmed that the next update for Windows, Windows 11 version 24H2, which is the second half of the year, is indeed coming later this year. While it's good to know that Microsoft is planning a major update for Windows 11, the news will be disappointing to anyone is hoping for an immediate release of Windows 12, the rumored next generation of the Windows operating system. We expect Windows 11 24H2 to arrive around September or October and will continue Microsoft's focus on developing the AI-aided user experience and quality of life upgrades that the company has been so keen on pushing lately. This does mean that we can put any expectation of a Windows 12 to bed, at least until after the second half of 2024. Many people were convinced that Windows 11 successor was coming sooner rather than later because of the heavy emphasis on next-generation AI features and experiences. This rumored release was codenamed Hudson Valley, and it's anticipated to get an official announcement mid-2024 and start rolling out the latter half of 2024. Well, straight from the horse's mouth, which means coming from Microsoft, this confirmation of Windows' annual major feature update comes to us from a Windows 11 preview build changelog published on February the 8th of 2024, which was just recently. Microsoft writes, Starting with build 26XX today, Windows Insiders in the Canary and Dev Channel will see the versioning update under Settings, Systems, About to Vision 24H2. This denotes that Windows 11 version 24H2 will be this year's annual feature update. Windows 11 24H2 will still absolutely be worth updating to, as Microsoft is currently one of the leaders in the personal computing space that actively pursuing and developing AI user assistance. We've seen evidence of this with Microsoft's enthusiastic debut and continued campaign to bring Windows Copilot, its digital AI assistant that's even getting its own keyboard button, to users. New AI features will make use of recently manufactured devices, cutting-edge processors from manufacturers like AMD, Intel, and Qualcomm who have all recently released or at least announced new chips with dedicated support for artificial intelligence. So, what's the holdup with Windows 12? There are multiple speculated reasons for why Microsoft is currently sticking to Windows 11 instead of moving on. One such suggestion is that Microsoft is reluctant to split its PC user base even more with a third major Windows version on the market. Its user base is already somewhat split with many users preferring to stick to Windows 10, reportedly outnumbering Windows 11 users more than twofold. Meanwhile, Windows Central suggests multiple very reasonable reasons why Microsoft is currently sticking to Windows 11. First off, Windows and Surface former leader Panos Panay has departed Microsoft. Panay has headed up the Surface team since its inception and led the development of Windows since 2020. It's a major change-up for Microsoft internally, and along with Windows 10 continued widespread popularity, the company is probably somewhat hesitant to release Windows 12 during this period. Microsoft is planning to end support for Windows 10 in 2025 to have a better chance of consolidating its users base, and it's probably waiting at least until then to introduce Windows 12. Net-net, which means after all is said and done, unless you have an immediate need to have a new machine, hold off buying any new machine until Windows 12 is released, because if you buy a machine today, you will have Windows 11, and within, and I believe within a one-year period, Windows 12 will come out. That's nuts to have a machine that's new, and you got to update the operating system the following year. Microsoft, you got to get your act together. Presenting Technology Chatter with Benjamin Rockwell and Marty Winston. Marty, you're still in the kitchen? Oh, well, you know, diets go away at this
2: time of
1: year. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I'm yep. a big guy too. <laughs>
2: There are cars that can drive themselves, right? So why is it so challenging to get a toaster that figures out what you want and adjusts itself to deliver that? Okay, yeah, yeah. I just I just got in the most intelligent high-tech toaster I've ever had from Tinnico. Yeah. It's- it's called Toasty One. I
1: love it. Oh, toasty One. All right. Well, this is the right time of year when everybody's chilling. They want something toasty. No,
2: nah, here's to you. no that not that kind <laughs> of toast. <laughs> you tell it how dark you want your toast. It you can either you can set it to do the two sides separately, toast them yeah, separately. Yeah. You can set it to be automatic, and it will sense what's still in the bread and the color you've attained. You can set it on smart. Mm -hmm. So all you do is Mm -hmm. set the color, figures everything else out. Now, if you're making frozen waffles, don't use smart, use manual, but it's just as easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. So so it figures out what you put in to get toasted, something fresh, something frozen, something you're reheating, thin slice, thick slice. It does that independently for each of its two slots, or it'll do them the same if you tell it to. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Each member of the family can set personal preferences. It holds up to eight of those. It has a touch screen with simple user interface, the darkness slider, which is on screen, a touch uh, kind of slider. It's part of that. Kids, uh, little kids will have no problem figuring it out. But it also has infrared sensors inside, an intelligent controller, and purpose-designed heating elements. The toaster you have now probably only covers about two-thirds of the surface of what you toast. The toasty one covers more than 90% edge-to-edge. Okay, all right. Tinico, I toast to you. The toasting One is about $340 on Amazon.
1: Okay. That one's a little
2: pricey, but I I, I see the
1: tech in there. So, you know, if you're looking for something that's...
2: Well, you'd you'd be wasting a lot of bread uh, to to get it right with normal toasters. But then again, the value comes because you'd also be wasting a lot of time.
1: There is... Okay, I, I get that. All right. Now,
2: here, here's something a little bit weird. Uh, what could you make out of thick stainless steel wire that could add flexibility to your cooking, grilling, baking, and so on? There's mm-hmm. a mother daughter team yeah. that uh, came through a very innovative version of basket weaving with stainless steel wires. Oh, uh, I,
1: oh that's advanced basket weaving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Now, cooking starts with heat and conduction or convection or radiance to get it to the food. It starts with heat. It often ends in a mess and in between can be complicated and take too long. So the ladies founded baskets with a Q, -Q Mm B-A-S-Q-U-E-T-T-E-S. It's home, home of the everything basket. There are six pieces to this. Two are stainless steel wire baskets, one a little taller than the other, that can nest. They have removable and adjustable tops, intertwining legs. It gets easy to stack multiple levels with different foods, Flip okay. them, make them into a cage for bigger things like poultry or just use them next to each other. You come really close to air frying in your oven, but this can do bigger batches For the oven, stick a full covered uh, rather foil covered or parchment paper covered cookie sheet underneath, and skip the oven cleaner. There's no mess. It goes on that cookie sheet, okay? All right, the baskets are dishwasher safe, oven safe, and metal utensil proof. They do get hot. Use oven mitts or potholders so your hands don't get overcooked. Now, the beauty of the Everything Basket is that in the oven or on the grill, it leaves your food close to naked, but still lets you move it around if you want a little more or a little less heat hitting any part of it. Baskets, the Everything Basket is about $135 on Amazon, but I warn you, it will quickly become your favorite cooking plaything.
1: I, I I'm intrigued by this because when you initially suggested baskets, I was trying to figure out how that would work in. But then you you went into the the whole air fryer concept in in, in putting this in the oven. yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a be...
2: cage. I I'm, imagine it over a campfire, you know?
1: sure. yeah, this is uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 okay, yeah I, I, I can see the the benefits of that, yeah, easily.
2: Do we have a minute to talk about bacon?
1: Yeah, so we we have yeah, we, 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 about two minutes left. Okay. Um, my I, I brother-in-law. Like bacon. <laughs> you're not going to make the bacon in those baskets, are you?
2: No, something close, though. Okay. My brother-in-law sent us, as his gift for the holidays, Yeah, a package of four kinds of bacon. Yes. That's, that's a lot of bacon to make. and. When the house is closed off, you can't make bacon inside without stinking up the place. It's a yeah, nice steak, yeah, but it, yeah. it, it's right. Well, you might I, remember-
1: u- I use that as my cologne regularly. And, and I'll tell you, my wife loves bacon scented cologne.
2: Well, Never mind. Just go on. I, that's, I saw an opportunity to be weird. Well, I was I was thinking you got the bacon and cheese, the tomato. <laughs> <laughs> So so you, you were remember, saying. Remember, I have a Ninja Woodfire Outdoor Grill. Yes, yes. So I take its lower sheet, which has a rim around it, mm-hmm. and I cover it with heavy-duty foil.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's also a grate, a, a rack that goes on top of that, and I can mm-hmm. do six to eight strips of bacon in a load. Mm-hmm. All of the fat goes down to the foil on the cookie sheet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I move the done bacon out. Lay it on a couple of sheets of paper towel on a plate and lay the next one in. I'm a bacon-making machine on the back deck, and the house never gets stunk up.
1: All right. There you go.
2: <laughs> oh, man. That's the Ninja Woodfire Grill. We've reviewed it already. You can look it up online.
0: As for now, this is Benjamin Rockwell. Oh, that's Marty Winston. Thank you, Benjamin, and thank you, Marty. Public Service Announcements Computer Club Meetings in the New York, New Jersey, and the Connecticut Tri-State Region. Log on to the club website for more information on Remote Meeting ID. The Brookdale Computer Users Group meets Thursday, February twenty-second. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting, and their website is bcug.com. The Amateur Computer Group of New Jersey meets Friday, March the 1st. Meeting time is 8 p.m., online virtual meeting via Jitsi. The website is acgnj.org. The TechEd Connect meets Thursday, March the 7th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is wpcug.org. The Long Island Macintosh Users Group meets Friday, March the 8th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is limac.org. The King's Computer Club meets Tuesday, March the 12th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. They meet at the Park Plaza Restaurant at 220 Cadman Plaza West in Brooklyn. The phone number is 347 278 7320. The New York Amateur Computer Club meets Thursday, March the 14th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom, and the website is nyacc.org. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. On PRN live streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on PRN.live on the Internet. If you have any questions for us, just send us an email addressed to hank at pcradioshow.org. In the meantime, stay in touch and remember to do regular backups. I'm Hank Key, and on behalf of Michael Horowitz, Benjamin Rockwell, and Marty Winston, we thank you for listening. Stay safe and healthy. Until we meet again, same time, same station, next week.